Hi, I'm Kaylee Moore. And I'm Emma Samasco. Welcome to Freelance Writing Coach, your go-to podcast for building a freelance writing business. In each 20-minute episode, we'll do a deep dive into one area of business with the hope that our insights as successful freelance writers will educate and inspire you. B2B is an absolutely fabulous niche. That's why Kaylee and I work in the space. Today's sponsor is the B2B Writing Institute, which is run by Sarah Griesenbach, an incredibly talented former teacher turned freelance writer with 10 years experience in business-to-business writing. Sarah can teach you how to show, not sell, which means educating and explaining what you do rather than pushing sales. If you're interested in writing blogs, white papers, and case studies for B2B clients, even if you have no experience, head to b2bwritinginstitute.com and sign up for Sarah's email newsletter. I subscribe and I can tell you it'll make you laugh and make more money at the same time. Automatic Evergreen, a fully managed newsletter service that uses your existing content and one-to-one interviews to develop fresh content for a weekly email newsletter. Their team of experts creates the landing page, newsletter copy, and template. They even upload, format, and schedule the email so you never need to log into the email provider. Their goal is to provide a well-written, cash-flowing, on-time newsletter every single week that requires little to no time from you. Schedule a free discovery call today at yourweekly.email. So in today's episode, we are talking about how to conduct a really great interview. And when we talk about interview, we're not talking about like getting hired for a job. We're talking about when you're interviewing a client or a customer or a prospective expert for a piece that you're working on. Basically, how do you be a good journalist and conduct a good interview in that sense and and get to the bottom of the questions that you need to ask, collecting the resources that you need to do a good job on the assignment. And we have a great expert in this topic today in Emma, because with case studies, her bread and butter of her business for the past several years has been interviewing people and asking questions and really doing a good job at being kind of an archaeologist, I guess, when it comes to digging up the good nuggets of facts and informations and stats and and all the good things that you need to conduct a good interview. So Emma, I want to ask you, how do you think about interviews from a high level? Like, do you have kind of a rule of thumb or a roadmap that you would share with people who are trying to get better at this? Maybe that's a good place to start. This is something that I talk about a lot. It's something that I post about on LinkedIn, like how to do a good interview. I have like top tips that I always give, like things as simple as like one of the top tips I give is like shut up, which means just basically ask the question, allow for there to be an awkward pause before you jump in and let the person work through their thoughts, even if it can be uncomfortable and you want to kind of like talk or ask another question to clarify. That's one of the tips I give. I mean, I have a number of others about like more tactical, like having your questions prepped beforehand and spending time on those questions. And I have advice on the types of questions you should be asking. And I have advice on, you know, recording your interviews and getting transcriptions for them and all kinds of like, there's like some kind of a very specific questions and tips that I give. And I think it depends a lot about the context, which is basically like, why are you doing the interview? And I think 
this is like a helpful place to start. So like, why would a freelance writer do an interview? You talked a little bit this bit about this when you introduced the topic. I use them for case studies, so I interview customers. I also use interviews when I'm talking with a subject matter expert or a founder or an engineer or developer because I'm creating a piece of long-form content in their voice, like as a piece of thought leadership. I have done interviews that are for customer research. So rather than just a case study where you're trying to get this proof that they're getting results from a service or a product, customer research is more open-ended. I've done interviews with like sales team members about what they're seeing so that I can then go and create marketing assets. That's more like research interview. So all this to say, there's like a ton of different kinds of interviews that might happen. And some of them are maybe you would think about more like conversations, but I think in some ways it's helpful to reframe those conversations as interviews. So you go into them super prepared with questions. And I think if there's any tip that I can kind of give, it's to go into these conversations or interviews very prepared because you often only get one shot, one time on the phone with this person um, and you want to absolutely make the most of it. So funny story, my first internship when I was in college was at a statewide magazine for like a, it was a electric cooperative. So they had this, anyways, it was a small kind of niche magazine publication. And I had never conducted an interview before for an article that I was writing. And so I literally just picked up the phone and called the person I was supposed to be talking to and had nothing prepared. And I remember just looking at my supervisor with this look of panic, like, oh my God, what have I done? Because I was basically like, hey, what's up? Oh my gosh, Kaylee. She was like, do you have your questions? And I was like, "Uh -uh." (laughs) uh-uh. So she was feeding me questions, sitting right beside me on the phone. I was mortified. Did you feel immediately like mortified? Oh, yeah. I just, I didn't know what I didn't know, right? I got into it and I just thought, oh, I'll just, we'll just have a conversation and this will be fine. And I'll, you know, I have a general idea of the topic. We'll just see where the conversation goes. Like I'm freaking Oprah Winfrey or something. And it was wildly unsuccessful. So I think preparation is huge. I'm curious, like, what is your process for when you prep for an interview? So it depends on the type, but I'll talk about case studies because I do so many of those. So I have go-to case study questions that I use and I adjust based on who the client and their customer is. Those are actually something that like you can download for free from my website or like, but I have all these case study questions and those are my go-to. So those I basically tweak and I edit based on the interview. I occasionally, but not always share them in advance with the client. That's really helpful with the customer. That's really helpful with case studies because sometimes it's helpful for them to know what I'm going to ask so they can like go and dig up stats or find results or things before the call. So I think when it comes to case studies, I kind of have this templated list of questions that I refer back to. When it comes to other interviews, I kind of start from scratch every time, to be honest. Like I I really want to understand the objective of why I'm talking to the person. And one thing I always care about is asking questions that get them to explain things to me in a really simple manner. So I say this because I interview a lot of technical people and they don't necessarily, well, they don't have a background in marketing and they're very like into their technical world. 
And so I asked them like very basic questions. Like, can you explain to me what an API is? Even though I know the answer to that. Yeah, that's good. And I think that that makes a huge case too for like doing an interview in real time, like whether it's video or over the phone, because you get those more natural language responses. Whereas if you did it over email, they're going to type out their very technical, I am writing a professional email voice type of response. And you're not going to get that layman term, like explain it to me like I'm five type of response. Yeah. And you can't go deeper if somebody says something that's interesting or that you don't understand. If you're doing like an email back and forth, it's much harder to be like, can you say more about that? I am actually like really against email interviews in almost all cases because I think you just like can't get a real feel for like who someone is, how they think, I think they're okay for certain situations, like if you're doing a really simple Q&A for like, let's say you, Kaylee, in your email newsletter wanted to do a Q&A with like a freelance writer, I think that would be okay to do the interview via email. I think it's okay to do interviews via email if you need like a simple quote or review or things like that. Those don't need interviews. But I think if you're really writing some kind of thought leadership or a case study, you absolutely need an interview. And I've had clients do things like I was just working on case studies recently and the client didn't have an actual interview. So I always want to do the interview myself. That's another thing. That's another tip is like try and get the client to let you do the interview because things go sideways when they do it themselves. I see that all the time. And what I was going to say is I was working with this case study client and they weren't allowing me to do the interviews, but they didn't really have an interview themselves. They had sort of like a list of stats and then these like testimonial videos. And you can't like really write a case study out of that, right? Like they're like, take these resources and create a case study. And it's like, "Mm, I really like need to do an interview to tell the story. And that's where I think like, even if I had done some back and forth, over email with the customer. Like I, you really need to, I say, pick up the phone, but I would do a video interview and record it. Yeah. I think the only caveat to this is like, if the company you're writing the case study or whatever it is for conducts these interviews on their own in-house and then gives you the transcript or the recording from that, and they've covered all of the bases of what they want you to, to cover in the case study, then that's fine. But if you are doing something where you are kind of the go-to trusted expert for case studies like you are, Emma. In my experience, like getting on the phone with somebody and and following the interview and just asking curious questions and seeing where the conversation goes naturally, you get a lot better responses than just like, okay, here are the five questions I need to ask you. Boom, boom, boom. Let's knock them out. If you're listening to the responses and seeing like, oh, well, that's interesting. I want to ask you about X next. Let's go there next. You just get this more... I don't know. It's it's like a quality thing. It's much more interesting because you're able to, as a listener, follow where your natural curiosity goes. Yeah, totally. I do think, I think you're right that like I've had clients use my questions and do the interview themselves because sometimes they want to do that interview. So they're building the relationship with their customer. And I'm like actually fine with that. I mean, sometimes I might miss something that I would have wanted to dive into, but it's not a big deal. 
So I do think that like, that's another part of doing interviews is that it's an opportunity to build relationships, whether you're building a relationship with your customer, like I think, or a thought leadership, like it's an opportunity to build trust and have someone get to know you as opposed to just doing this kind of like back and forth email thing where you're kind of, you're just a a name on an email, right? Like, right. You're not really anything. I think maybe Kaylee, like I can get into some of my specific case study tips. Yeah. If that's helpful. I don't know. Do you have it? Like, what's your experience doing interviews? Like, are you doing them a lot? Not really? Like, not as much anymore. I was doing them quite a bit there for a while. I think the thing I learned very quickly was like, I needed to be 100% clear before I went into the interview. What were the objectives that I needed to accomplish? Like, if somebody was having me write a case study, I needed to know basically templatize what did they want that to look like? So did I need to collect specific stats from that person? Did I get specific outcomes or a quote that spoke to a very specific like value add of the software or whatever it was? Having that template was super helpful. So I knew exactly like these are the boxes I have to tick when I go into this. And that really helped shape my questions and speeded up the efficiency too of the speeded. I think the word is sped. I sped up the efficiency of, of, of the interview. Sped up. Yeah. I think. Right. <laughs> but yeah, just being really clear about what I needed to obtain during the conversation was super helpful because then otherwise I was going back and over email saying, oh, hey, I forgot to ask you about X, Y, and Z. Can you send me a reply over email or whatever's convenient, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, that was a quick lesson learned. Yeah, actually, like that reminds me that when I do case studies and when I do any like interview-based content that I always require like a discovery call first to go over objectives, to talk about like who I'm going to be talking to, what they're like, tell the client what I need for it to be success. And just like sometimes if I'm doing case studies, I absolutely need to do a product demo. So I understand the product. I need to ask them like, what are you trying to promote right now? Like what features do we want to share in this story? If any, right? Like you really need all of that information upfront and to understand like, what's the point of doing this, right? I did find, so like I found some of my interview tips that I've published on LinkedIn before that I'm going to just like go through really quick. The first one is prepare, which we talked about, I think. The second one was shut up, which I alluded to a little bit earlier that like it's tempting to talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and explain, but just basically like you really want to be more of a listener. I always tell people in an interview of like, hey, I'm going to ask these questions and I'm talking a lot up front to set the stage for you, but really I just want you to talk. I'm not that, right? Like even though I'm a talker, I actually really hang back when I do an interview. I always say you have to record and transcribe the interview. So you definitely want to record it instead of taking notes. But I also find it really helpful to transcribe it. Like I won't work from a recording. Like I want a transcription so I can really scroll through, look at exactly what they said. I can always go back and listen if I if something seems kind of wrong. I pay for human transcriptions. Like I don't even like the AI transcriptions. I don't think they're good enough. I just find that that makes it much more efficient and I just find that really helpful. And then another tip I had is to be aware of tangents. So I think sometimes on these calls, you can get really interested in something that someone says that actually doesn't have a lot to do with the objective at hand. Or sometimes you're with an interviewee and they get really excited about 
talking and they're like on this tangent and you really need to get them on track. And I think it's okay to interrupt and say, hey, I hate to interrupt you. We have limited time and I I have like a number of other questions that I want to get through. Like say, like we can go back to this topic at the end if we have time. And then, yeah, the final things that I had were to share your gratitude. So this is kind of obvious, but I think it's really so important to thank whoever is taking the time to participate in the interview. Like really say, thank you so much for your time. I know you're a really busy person. It means a lot to me that you're going to help get this resource out the door or you're going to help whatever the reason. I think the sharing your gratitude directly with that person profusely is like professional and necessary. It's super important. And then the only other aspect or the other tip I had given was to consider using a third party, which we talked about. But if you are trying to create your own case studies, for example, it's a hard ask for you to go and conduct that interview yourself. And you may be better off hiring someone who does the interviews and who specializes in it. And I think about like, I've worked with a friend on some case studies where I did the interviews and then she wrote the case studies. And she was like, oh, wow, you're really, really good at interviewing this has made my job a thousand times easier. I'm not trying to toot my own horn here. Like interviewing is like what I do, right? But I think that the value of a good interviewer who's really experienced, it's it's almost like hiring an auctioneer. Maybe not that intense, but right? It's like you, if you're really like a, a good interviewer, that can be worth a lot. Ever heard test your marketing, but have no idea how to do that? Social, Google, cold pitches, newsletters, Marketing can be an exhausting grind. What if you knew how to choose the best channels for your business? Growth Trackers is a membership for creative business owners who want to stay booked with less energy. Take charge of your leads when you learn how to find your get booked formula. Become a growth tracker at supereasydigital.com slash growth trackers. Use code full-time freelance for 5% off your membership. For many freelance writers, working alone can feel satisfying, except when it doesn't. Without a collaborator to share ideas and opinions, you may feel blocked. A survey on LinkedIn even revealed that 52% of writers struggle with being stuck. If you're one of them, book a session with Ivy Magic. Creative director Jeannie Ivy's vast experience collaborating with writers can help you unlock your brightest, most effective work yet. Learn more at that ivymagic.com slash collaboration. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you can even see that on the news. Like if you're watching an in-depth interview conducted by a professional newscaster, you can tell the good ones from the bad ones pretty easily because the really good ones are very curious. Like Tim Ferriss, for example, that's not even a TV example, but he just kind of follows the conversation where his interests and curiosity lead him. And I think that that's kind of a good model to follow, even if you do have some constraints of, okay, here are the boxes we need to tick. Here's what we need to cover in this conversation. For example, I was working on a, like a reported story for Forbes a while, well, several years ago now. And I was talking to a shoe manufacturer who was telling me, you know, he's kind of giving me the company line. He was telling me about how the products are made. But in that, he referenced that they had this trial program where they were shipping customers two of the same sizes of shoe for no extra charge. It was built into their pricing model. You return the pair that didn't fit. So you had basically two options to choose from. And I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. 
Two different sizes? Two different sizes. So like a six and a six and a half, for example, if you weren't sure what would fit you best. And I was like, that's the story. You discover those things in having somebody on the phone and continuing to poke and prod and ask questions of like, how do you do this? How do you do that? Sometimes those things come up and it's a good way to discover that was a random tangent. No, I I like that random tangent though, because your point is that in actually having the conversation with someone, you can discover like a kernel of the story or that can become the main story that's really interesting, right? I think that's your point. And I think like when you were talking about Tim Ferriss and that kind of style of going where his curiosity leads, it made me really think about like Barbara Walters and other like, real seasoned interviewers who aren't afraid to ask tough questions because that is an aspect of doing interviews too, is that like you can't go into it intimidated. Like I talked to some really powerful people in these interviews. It can be intimidating, but you sort of can't show it. You have to conduct yourself with professionalism and you can't be afraid to ask difficult questions. And this, you know, I think when you're in like a business context, some of those questions, it's not like you're asking like, tell me about your divorce, right? You're not Barbara Walters interviewing Donald Trump or something. like. So the, the stakes aren't quite so emotional. But I do think it's important to ask some difficult questions and to push people to come up with answers. This is kind of important when doing case studies too, when you're like, like, you know, we need to be able to quantify these results. Like you don't want to push someone to make them uncomfortable ever, but I think it is okay to push a little bit for some information and, and ask some difficult questions when you're talking with a subject matter expert and say, you know, like, what do you think about X controversial subject? And saying, you know, but this, but that, and and seeing how their mind works. And I wouldn't step down from that and keep everything super safe in an interview necessarily. I mean, even if you were talking to, say you were interviewing a really high profile content writer and you were like, so what do you think about the implications of these new AI writing tools, right? Like that could potentially make them uncomfortable. They could feel threatened by that question or saying like, oh, like you think that I'm going to get put out of business by them. You know, there's a threat to the ego in asking a question like that. It could stir up some interesting responses and an, a really unique point of view too, that you're like, wow, this makes for a really powerful aspect of the story that I hadn't even thought about that I didn't even know we were going to get into. Yeah. I mean, I would even take that a step farther and say like, okay, what do you think about these tools? That's kind of like in some ways a service level question. And this is another interview tactic is you ask kind of like a basic question like that. What do you think about AI tools in your work? And then you ask like more personal questions about that of like, do you feel threatened by these tools? Like, how does it make you feel? And kind of drilling down, I think it's like Camille Ricketts, who used to write for First Round Review, which is like a a publication that First Round is like a venture capital. I think she's head of Continent Notion now, right? Uh, She was doing a number of roles at Notion. And now I think she's considering her next adventure. But she she was doing general marketing at Notion. But she had this like really interesting, uh, like how to do interviews. And she, I think it was her, where she sort of said there were like three circles of interviewing 
oh my gosh, now I'm like, I got to find it. But if I can't find it, which I'm not, of course, I'm not going to be able to. <laughs> she, I, we can try and find it and put it in like the episode notes. But there was just this idea of like, you start with this general question, then you kind of drill down and ask for an example. So of course, now I'm talking about it and people are like, why are we listening to Emma talk about this random thing she doesn't even remember or know about? But my point is, is that there are tactics that like a really talented people use to conduct interviews and there are frameworks and ways of thinking about it. And we can try and surface some of those frameworks and that advice when we put together some episode notes. (laughs) Yeah. I think as a way to close out this conversation on interviewing, Do you have any just kind of general takeaways for as the interview concludes, here's what you need to tell the interviewee, aside from thank you, of course, and being really gracious about them spending time with you. The one thing that pops into my mind is like leaving an open door for if they think of something after the interview concludes and they want to follow up over email and maybe add to something or add some more nuance or context to something that they said, just saying like, oh, absolutely. You can reach me anytime. You can call me, email me, just maybe giving like a frame of reference as far as your deadline. So they know that there is a hard stop to when they can come back. But any other like parting closing advice for wrapping up an interview? I think letting them know, we didn't talk about this, but letting that the interviewee know what it's going to be used for and assuring them like if they will, you will have a chance to review this and make sure you're comfortable with how you're portrayed. That kind of matters in a business context. I think thanking them, letting them know what the timeline is going to be or what their expectations are, I think all of that is is super important. And I did find Camille Ricketts' three-tier approach to interviews, which we're going to end with, okay? Ready? So this is her three-tier approach to interviews, and we will link. It's a blog that content lessons from Camille on animals, but it's a three-tier approach to interviews. So it's like, The first tier is something like a how question, like how did you build that extraordinary team? Okay. And then the next question is what steps did you take to make that happen? And then can you give an example? We'll share this so you can read this more in detail. But the idea is that this is how you can get really detailed answers like tactical answers from business professionals on how to do things rather than just kind of like vague platitudes. So we will end with that. Yes, interviews, super important, really good skill to flex. And I think it's something that can set you apart from other freelance writers if you can do it well. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Freelance Writing Coach Podcast. If you want more tips, tricks, and resources for building your business, visit freelancewritingcoachpodcast.com. 